Wouldn't it be great if you could stop seeing world events as random and unrelated and start seeing how they fit together to fulfill God's plan? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah shares how God made that happen for one faithful man, allowing him to see the full picture of events from his time forward to Christ's return. Listen as David introduces today's message, Modern Europe, Ancient Rome. Well, friends, there are a lot of people uh, whose names in the Bible uh, are associated with prophecy. Obviously, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, John in the New Testament from the book of Revelation, and then all of the minor prophets. But there's one prophet who alone sketches out the history of the world from his time until the end, and that is Daniel. And uh, in his sketch, he talks about how in the end times, what we now know as Europe is going to be reorganized under 10 leaders under the kind of um, umbrella of the revived Roman Empire. We see signs of that happening. We see things taking place in Europe, in alliances, etc., that make us wonder if we may be on the front end of that. Who knows? But we're going to talk about what's going to happen from Daniel chapter 2, and you might want to find your place in the Bible there. We'll be ready to study that in just a moment. Um, this series, The 31 Signs, is um, so big, so long, that we have to have three study guides to cover it. Uh, most of our radio series last for a month, and that means we have one study guide, and that takes you through the month. Well, this is a three-month series, so there's three study guides, and you can get the three study guides from uh, davidjeremiah.org. You can order them from that website, and then you'll have the three study guides. And if you send a gift during the month of March and ask for your copy of the book, you'll have the book from your gift, and you'll be able to purchase the study guides. You'll be ready to go and study these prophetic themes. Uh, this book is written not for um, people who are seminary graduates or Academicians. It's written for people who want to understand prophecy. It's written in a kind of a news article style. And I, I do believe you'll be able to comprehend it, and it will really be a blessing to you. We want you to have this book as our way of saying thank you for your gift to Turning Point during the month of March. When you send your financial support, ask for the Book of Signs. Okay, here's part one of Modern Europe, Ancient Rome. Today, I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the second chapter of the book of Daniel and Daniel's prophecy. And today's message is entitled, Modern Europe, Ancient Rome. The memo said, top secret, and every person in the Oval Office had been given orders to arrive promptly at 8 a.m., no one must know that the President of the United States, the Vice President, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and the National Security Council, congressional leaders, and selected members of the Cabinet had been called together for this executive briefing. The President never looked more serious. He sat facing his advisors who were entrusted with decisions that could affect millions of lives. And his fingers were pressed together under his chin. He looked like he was praying. <laughs> Considering the state of the world, his attitude was very logical. When he signaled to the armed guard, the door was opened to allow one man to enter. The man hesitated for a moment, glanced at the gathering of military and political power, and then the president pointed to a chair directly in front of the polished executive desk. The man took his seat, 
faced the leadership advisors of the most powerful nation on earth, gentlemen, the president said soberly, you are about to hear about the future of the world as we know it. Listen carefully, for your very lives are at stake. Is this an imaginary scene or could it happen someday? How many of you know that what is fiction today often becomes fact tomorrow? The scene that I have created for you at the beginning of this message actually did occur. It occurred in another country with different players at a different time. One man, divinely inspired, accurately stood in front of the most powerful man in the world and prophesied the rise and fall of empires and their rulers. It was about 2,500 years ago, to be exact, that the Jewish prophet Daniel was given a panoramic revelation by God that revealed the sweep of world history from the time of Daniel all the way up until the time when Jesus Christ comes back to set up his kingdom. The revelation that came to Daniel about the future came in the form of two dreams. One of the dreams is recorded in the second chapter and it's the dream of a pagan Babylonian king which Daniel interpreted. The other dream is found in the seventh chapter of Daniel and it's Daniel's own dream about the very same things. These two visions of the future were given for the same purpose, to show Daniel and his people what in the world was going on. Now Daniel wrote his book at a very specific time and it's important for us to understand the time so that we'll know how valuable and vital this message was. As many of you know, the people of Israel had been taken by Assyria captive and had been removed from their place. And now Babylon had taken Judah captive and there had to be a word from God to his people because the Jewish people were wondering, hey, part of us have gone to Assyria, part of us have gone to Babylon. Is God finished with us? Has he given up his purpose for the people of Israel in light of what is happening and turned it over now to the Gentiles and he's finished with us? Did God's promise to Abraham have any meaning? That's the question they were asking. And so God sent a message to his people through Daniel in one of the strangest ways you can imagine. He gave a dream to a pagan king and in that dream he unfolded the future of the world. Now here is how it all came about. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon at that time, the nation that controlled the world destiny. The Jews were in captivity to Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. One day Nebuchadnezzar began to be filled with anxiety about the future. In fact, he was so anxious about the future that he took that anxiety to bed with him that night. Anybody ever do that? We all do that on occasion. Well, he was so filled with anxiety that on the night when this particular event happened, he had a terrifying dream. The dream was so terrifying that when he got up the next morning, he couldn't remember the content of the dream. He could only remember that the dream had totally terrified him. So he called his brain trust together 
his soothsayers, his astrologers, his wise men. And he brought them together into the cabinet room and he said, I've had this terrible dream last night and I want you to tell me what it was and what it means. And the soothsayers were astonished. They said, no one has ever asked anyone to do such a thing, to reveal the content of a dream. How would we know what you dream? You tell us your dream and we'll tell you what it meant, but don't expect us to tell you what the dream was. And Nebuchadnezzar immediately realized that his system didn't work, that these wise men weren't wise at all. And he was so frustrated and furious with them that he decided to put them all to death. He called his executioner, a man by the name of Arioch, and he said, get all the wise men together, kill them all. They're worthless. They can't help me. I don't want them around here anymore. Well, of course, Daniel and his friends were a part of that brain trust. They were considered part of the counselors of Nebuchadnezzar. So soldiers were dispatched to find Daniel, and the purpose was to put him to death. But Daniel, in the providence of God, intervened in his own behalf and in behalf of the wise men of that day. And we read in the book of Daniel in the second chapter and verse 24 that when Arioch, the king's executioner, came to get Daniel, that Daniel said to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king and I will tell the king the interpretation of his dream. So Daniel now is ushered in to the presence of Nebuchadnezzar, almost like the story I told you at the beginning. He stands there in front of the most powerful man of his world. And he begins his speech in verse 27, and this is truly remarkable. He said, Nebuchadnezzar, the secret which the king has demanded, the wise men and the astrologers and the magicians and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. So now Daniel is going to tell King Nebuchadnezzar what his dream was. He's going to give him the revelation of the dream. Beginning in verse 29, he says, As for you, O king... Thoughts came to your mind while on your bed about what would come to pass after this. And he who reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. Verse 31, you, O king, were watching. And behold, a great image, a great image whose splendor was excellent, stood before you. And its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold and its chest and arms of silver and its belly and thighs of bronze and its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly clay. In the dream, God showed the king and Daniel a composite history of the remaining days of the world. And he did it by showing King Nebuchadnezzar this colossus, this huge image in his dream He's going to show him this Colossus and he's going to help him understand what it means. The dream of the statue is described in five sections as we have read. First of all, there was a head of gold. And then the breast and the arms were of silver. And the belly and the thighs were of copper and brass. And the legs were of iron. And the feet were part iron and part clay. Through Daniel... God decrees that there will only be four empires in the entire history of the world 
until the fifth one comes, which is when Jesus sets up his own kingdom at the end of time. God says through Daniel and through Nebuchadnezzar, only four major empires will rule the world. And now we read in verse 45 that this dream is certain and that Daniel's interpretation of it is sure. And he's going to tell the king not only what the dream was, but now he's going to tell him what the dream meant. So we come to the interpretation of it. And notice that this dream that Daniel is going to interpret for Nebuchadnezzar is about kingdoms. It's about the kingdoms of the world. In fact, if you look down at your Bible, nine times in these verses the word kingdom shows up. And what is a kingdom? Kingdom is the dominion of a king. It has to do with the rule of one person. These worldwide kingdoms are seen in the dream as following one after the other. Look down at your Bible at verse 21 in the second chapter. And God changes the times and the seasons. Now watch this. He removes kings and he raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Aren't you glad that the Bible says that God removes kings and he raises them up again? No one can get into the position of leadership without passing through the hands of the sovereign God. And you might say, well, why has God allowed some of these people to serve? I know that's crossing your mind right now. Some of you probably have thoughts about those who were afraid might serve. But let me just tell you something, for whatever it's worth, God doesn't necessarily endorse the people, but they don't get there without his knowledge and without his permission. And God uses things often that we don't understand. I could give you a whole list of things that God uses that don't make a lot of sense to us. He used a rooster one time to tell Peter that he was wrong. (laughs) But no one gets elected without God. And this dream is about how God in his sovereignty allowed the world kingdoms to unfold one after the other. And now Daniel is going to tell Nebuchadnezzar how this works out. First of all, he tells him that the kingdom of gold is Babylon. He says, this is the dream. Now we will tell the interpretation of it before the king. You, O king, are king of kings. For the God of heaven has given you a kingdom. There it is. He's given you power and strength and glory. Remember, King Nebuchadnezzar, he wasn't a follower of God. He was a pagan. But God gave him his kingdom. And whenever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, or the birds of the heaven... He has given them into your hand, Nebuchadnezzar, and he has made you ruler over them. God has done this. And then notice this, Nebuchadnezzar, you are this head of gold. The kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar, which began in 606 BC, lasted 70 years. And there are several reasons why it's referred to as the kingdom of gold. Because if you went to Babylon during those days, you would have been astonished at the display of gold in the kingdom. Herodotus, who was a secular historian, said he once went to Babylon and he saw more gold than he'd ever seen in his entire life. Babylon was known as the golden kingdom. But notice, there's another kingdom that will follow Babylon. And that's the kingdom of silver, or the kingdom of the Medes and Persians. Verse 39 says, But after you, Nebuchadnezzar, shall arise another kingdom, which is inferior to yours. Now, you probably know when this happened, but you have forgotten it, or maybe you haven't placed it in the right position. Let me remind you of a very familiar story. On an occasion, 
the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, who was continuing to rule over Babylon, a man by the name of Belshazzar, held a party in the palace. It was a party to profane the name of the God of Israel. As you well know, they had stolen some of the worship instruments from the temple in Jerusalem, and they brought them into this party, and they filled them up with wine, and in a drunken orgy one night, Belshazzar mocked God, profaned God, poured wine into the holy vessels of Israel, and slopped that wine over their lips, holding their hand up in the face of God and mocking him. Do you remember what happened next? Well, if you'd have been there, you'd never forgotten in the middle of that party, an unattached hand began to write on the wall of the banquet hall. Now that would get your attention, no matter how much you had been drinking. (laughs) And do you remember what it said? As he wrote on the wall, part of the message was, Daniel 5, 28, Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. And in the middle of that banquet, the Medes and Persians came in and took over and Babylon was defeated and the Medes and the Persians became the next kingdom. And so the breasts and the arms of silver on this beast are Medo-Persia. Isn't it interesting? There's two arms, one for the Medes and one's for the Persians. They become the second kingdom in the world order. Now, if you study history you will know that this is exactly what happened. Babylon ruled and then the Medes and the Persians ruled. Now, there's going to be a third kingdom and this is the kingdom of bronze. Notice chapter two, verse 39. And a third kingdom of bronze which shall rule over all the earth. After the Medes and Persians had ruled for a period of time, Greece took over. The Grecians took over the world. This was the kingdom of Philip of Macedon and his famous son, Alexander the Great. You remember him? Alexander the Great was a powerful monarch who, after having been successful in many conquests around the world, was said to have, at the end of his life, sat down in his tent and began to weep because there were no more worlds for him to conquer. He had conquered them all. During his lifetime, the soldiers under his command were known for being dressed always in bronze and brass helmets and carrying breastplates and shields and swords. And so Greece becomes the third kingdom on the beast that Daniel interpreted for Nebuchadnezzar. The head of gold was Babylon, which was replaced by the Medes and the Persians, the breast and arms of silver. And then the belly and thighs of copper and brass represented Greece. And then there's a fourth kingdom, The fourth kingdom is referred to in verse 40 of Daniel 2. Look at your Bible. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks to pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. Now, up until this time in the history of the world, we can identify what's going on. So why wouldn't be able to do it now? What we do know is the Babylonian Empire was overthrown by the Medes and the Persians. The Medo-Persian Empire was quickly captured by the Greeks. And now we learn that the Grecian Empire came under the control of the Romans. And that's exactly what happened in history. The legs of iron and the feet of iron and clay represent Rome. This cannot be proven by citing references in the Bible. 
but there's no way for it to be anything else because history proves that Rome is that fourth kingdom. And in the text, iron is used 14 times and every school child has heard of the iron legions of Rome. Rome was iron. 50 years before Jesus was born, the Romans took control of the world. The Roman Empire was in control when Jesus came to this earth and it continued in power during the Lord's earthly ministry. It was Roman rule that put Jesus on the cross. It was the imperialistic Romans who ruled ruthlessly throughout the world during the days of the early church. When we studied the book of Acts, we met the Romans everywhere. They were always after Paul. They were always quelling the riots. They were always trying to keep peace for Rome because of what was happening in the growth of the church. The Roman legions were known for their ability to crush all resistance with an iron heel. And so when you look back at the beast again, what you see is that Babylon was the head of gold and the Medes and Persians were the breast and arms of silver and the belly and thighs of copper and brass were Greek and the legs of iron were Rome. But there's one final part of this beast that is the most important of all for us right now. The Bible says that the legs of iron extended down to feet which were partly iron and partly clay. Notice verse 41. Whereas you saw the feet and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, yet the strength of iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. And the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay. So the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. Now, according to this prophecy, there was going to be a time in the future when the Roman Empire would be divided into ten sections, when there would be a tenfold exhibition of Rome. And as we know from history, that has never happened. There's never been a tenfold edition of the Roman Empire. And the Bible tells us, if you read Daniel chapter 2, that this particular part of the Roman Empire will be in power on the earth when Jesus comes back to set up his kingdom. Can you get that? The Bible says that there will be some kind of a Roman kingdom on this earth when Jesus returns. If you have your Bibles, read verse 44 from Daniel 2 and you'll see what I mean. And in the days of these ten kings, represented by the ten toes on this beast, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. What kingdom is that class? That's the kingdom of our Lord and of our God who shall rule and reign forever. Now here's the key thing. The Bible says that the Roman Empire will have some sort of presence in the time when Jesus sets up his kingdom. How could that be? Well, that's a good place to stop, isn't it, with that question. We'll come back tomorrow and talk about it. Uh, this is called Modern Europe, Ancient Rome, the reconstitution of the old Roman Empire in the days that lie ahead. The alliance, the coming together of nations, it seems to be starting, and it's very interesting to observe it. Uh, Daniel's prophecy says there will be ten leaders 
and out of one of those uh, leaders' dominion will come that person we know as the Antichrist. This is Daniel chapter 2, verses 31 to 45. We'll finish that up tomorrow. Uh, These are some really interesting subjects, and we're going to enjoy them together as we teach through this material on Turning Point in March, April, and May. You can get the book that's behind all of this. It's a 463-page volume that uh, is organized in such a way that as you read through it, you'll get a grasp of what the Bible says is going to happen in the future. And this book is our way of saying thank you for your investment in the ministry of Turning Point during the month of March. All that means is if you'll send a gift of any size to Turning Point and ask for your copy of the book on signs, we'll send it to you. And it will be our joy to do it. We encourage you to be as generous as you can be. Some of you are able to help us in that way, but whatever gift you send, however large or small, if you ask for the book, you'll get it. And it's a privilege we have of adding value to your life spiritually in this way. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, Signs, 31 Undeniable Prophecies of the Apocalypse, visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's informative book, The Book of Signs, 31 Undeniable Prophecies of the Apocalypse. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International and New King James Versions. Available in your choice of handsome cover options. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the prophetic series, Signs, right here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. The book of Revelation is filled with mystery, prophecy, and numbers. In fact, the number 7 is mentioned 54 times. Dr. David Jeremiah helps us understand these sevens in the Revelation 7 Study Handbook and 7 Praises Bookmark, yours this month for a gift of any amount. And when you give a gift of $60 or more, you'll gain a clearer understanding with the 7 Churches of Revelation Study Set, which includes a CD or DVD album and study guide. Go to davidjeremiah.ca to learn more. In all we do each day, Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point work to make a global impact for the kingdom of God. But we can't do it alone. That's where Bible Strong Partners come in. These loyal monthly supporters form the foundation of Turning Point, allowing Dr. Jeremiah to teach the whole counsel of God. Partnering with Turning Point enables you to share in the eternal impact of this ministry, leading people to Christ through our media and printed resources, multiplying Bible teaching broadcasts, presenting the gospel around the globe, and strengthening the saints. In appreciation for your partnership, Turning Point wants to provide you with exclusive monthly resources and study guides, member-only communications, an on-demand library of study content, and so much more. Are you ready to see what the Lord will do? Let's expect to change the world together. Go to davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong to become a BibleStrong partner today. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong. Theologian Richard Foster wrote a book in the mid-1980s called Money, Sex, and Power. 
He clearly identified the three greatest pitfalls on the road to human maturity, happiness, and success. I don't know of a Bible verse that lumps money, sex, and power together, but there are plenty of Bible verses that warn about them individually. The interesting thing about all three is that neither money, sex, nor power is inherently evil. Therefore, the greatest danger is the human heart that chooses how to use or abuse them. Our daily prayer should be to use money, sex, and power in the way that honors God. And this is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover how to honor God on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.